This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. My Rabbi Isai, uh, those of us who have been privileged to have been in Yerushalayim and have seen the Mir Yeshiva, the Tifarta, um, know what Rabbi Cosman was referring to. Those of us who have not, I strongly urge anybody who gets a chance to go to Yerushalayim to see the Yeshiva, the largest in the world, the many, many Bate Medrash. It's an awe-inspiring sight. We have the tremendous chus and privilege now to hear from Irenu, the Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Aaron Lopiansky, brother-in-law of the Mir Rosh Yeshiva Zatzal. like to start by sketching out a very brief history and biography my late brother um, some of you may be very familiar with it, some of you not but just sort of to get it, just a sense of the uh, chat of when and what and so on he was born in Chicago 68 years ago had a typical Midwest Jewish American education co-ed school, from school, and since he was family, with, he was a second cousin, when he was about 15 years old, his parents took him for a trip to Eretz Yisrael, um, they naturally stayed together with the yeshiva, I don't know if they didn't stay in the yeshiva, there wasn't much yeshiva then, and the Rosh Hashiva Rebbe Yudel took an intense liking to him, something which baffled many people, because he was a very nice, sweet boy, but nothing that would, could give away him having any more potential than being a nice, sweet, grown-up person at some point, but nothing more. He, um, his, Rebbe Zudl insisted that he stay there and then. His parents insisted he go back and finish high school. He did go back home, finished, got his high school diploma, and Rebbe Zudl turned the world upside down to drag him back to Yerushalayim. He came back to Yerushalayim, and Rebbe Leizudel took him in his room as his roommate. He, wa- he wanted him to be with him. And personally was very, very focused on his chinuch, got him extremely uh, devoted chavruses. And he spent the next uh, four years or so, four or five years, learning in yeshiva as a bachar. At some point, Rebbe Leizudel said, you know, if he's really good, wouldn't I want him for my own granddaughter as a shidduch? And the, they went out and uh, they became chasen kala. It was something that again baffled many people. The fact that the first criteria for a son-in-law was a great Talmud Chacham. He was a very fine boy, very focused, very sincere, very learning. But again, nothing that would really... Um, put him a cut above everybody else in any way. He got married, and he sat and learned, and sat and learned, and sat and learned. Um, the things that I, I came in the yeshiva in 1970, which was, he must have been married at that time, probably eight or nine years, I guess. And the thing that, I guess, struck you was, first of all, the hours he put in the base medrash, his calm, his methodical learning, the smile that never left his face, um, and uh, 
the fact that he's, he, in, as what I remember, he always had time to help other Bachram, especially Americans with less background, help them in learning, always finding time to be chavruses and counseling of sorts and so on and so forth. This went on for many years and his roster of people that he learned with helped um, was Makara of Machazik and so on, went on and on and on. Um, and then when our father in law passed away in 1990, he became a Shashiva. People did not think he'd be able to accomplish all that much as a Shashiva. They respected him for his learning. By that time already, his stature on learning was really, really on strong foundation and was highly respected. They respected him for his middos, for his menschlichkeit. He never, ever displayed any sign of the type of acumen you would need to run an institution of, at that time, was close to a thousand Talmidim, both in terms of the finances, in terms of the personnel and people and dealing with different people. Um, people shrugged their shoulders and he took the yeshiva and turned it into an institution sevenfold as big and with tons and tons of programs and he was involved in every one of them. That itself would have been remarkable except for the fact that a few years before he became a yeshiva, Parkinson struck him and he was strong enough physically to sort of hide it. Most people didn't know about it. My father did know about it. And when he made the decision to leave the yeshiva to him, he pondered and he said, I, can I leave it, can I put it on the shoulders of somebody who's not well? And he knew the implications of Parkinson's as time would go on. And then um, he then said, but there's no one else that can do what he can do. And he became a yeshiva and in, in 20 years, it increased sevenfold and became just an extraordinary reach of in every type of chabura, every type of learning, and different places, and so on and so forth. And a week ago, uh, unexpectedly, I guess, it wasn't, there was no, I mean, he was as, as ill as always, but he, his heart stopped, and 21 years of being a shiva came to a very abrupt end. Instead of speaking about many details of his own life and many details of um, many stories about him, which there were thousands because he touched so many people and, and uh, under such different circumstances, I'd like to speak a little bit more about the world, the concept, what it was, what it is, what the mirror is, because in a certain sense he so much personified it. And I'd like to, in that picture, find him and in the ways in which in his personal life he personified it. I want to start by pointing out two Rambams that seem to contradict each other. There's a Rambam in Hilchus Torah that says that if a person feels he can learn Torah and not do any work with it and rather take money from Tzedakah, it's a Chil Hashem, and he speaks very, very strongly against it. He says, because a person should not take things from this world, and uh, it says that's why I call Nenem Divri Torah, and so on and so forth. That's one Rambam. The second Rambam is at the end of Zroim. And the Rambam says 
why was Shevet Levi not Zoha to get a portion of Israel? Every tribe had its own portion of Israel. Shevet Levi did not. So he says, Mipnei Shehuvda Lavores Hashem, he was separated. And his job was to serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Lishorso, Ulhoris, Strachov, Aishor, Rabim, to teach people and so on. Lefikoch, he says, therefore, they were separated from mundane activity. They didn't go to the army to fight like everybody else should. They get no property. There's nothing they can earn with their own work. And then he says, Shevet Levi is not the only one. Any person who was lifted up, a spirit overcame him. And he, and he has that type of understanding. To set himself aside, to stand before God. He says, He also becomes holy. And forever he becomes, his chilek becomes Hashem. His portion in this world, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will find him something in this world to sustain him. That's the Rambam. So we have two Rambams that seem to contradict each other, head on head. And the answer is that both of those Rambams together stand correct. The world is constructed where it's natural. There's a world, there are fields that have to be plowed, there are houses that have to be built, clothing has to be woven. And people need to engage in that and, and, and bring in godliness and Torah into that. But there's another dimension to the world. There's a core dimension to the world of Ruchnius, and a person who is of stature and can lift himself up above it belongs in the Shevet Levi who is allowed to disregard what's the, the externality of the world and become engaged only in Torah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's, it demands a price. The person has no land that he owns, no steady source of income. It's, they have to go hand in hand. The person has to be uplifted in such a way that he no longer partakes of the world because he sees the world as an entirely ruchnistic enterprise. Those are the two Rambams, and it's quite clear that that's, the two Rambams not only don't have to be re, do not have to be reconciled, they actually fit very well with each other. The Gemara tells in Brachas there were two approaches. Reb Shem who went into a cave, and Reb Yishmol, who said, plow the field and learn together. While you plow in the field, you can also be engaged in Torah. Both are correct. For the majority of the people, for the majority of the tribes, you have that outside structure of being part of the world and incorporating Torah and Torah values and mitzvahs into the world. But there's a sort of a pilot light, something that is constantly like a near tumid 
That's a Shevet Levi, and that's what they're engaged in. The yeshiva world, as a world, was founded to be the Shevet Levi. I made the transition myself from quite a distance of two worlds. I came in 1970, I graduated high school, we had a full yeshiva education and secular education in a world that was part of the notch of the ten tribes, eleven tribes, not Shevet Levi. And you walk into the Mi Yeshiva, what greeted you wasn't only whether they're sitting and learning and not working with it or engaged in some other activities. That wasn't that wasn't the point that hit you. The point that hit you was nothing exists but the learning. Learning wasn't a way, well, Rabbi, we've got a problem. They just came up with a new, a new type of whiskey. Is it kosher? Is it not kosher? Could you write me a tshuva? Find something as far to make it kosher, not kosher. It wasn't about whiskey. It was about the Rekivega in, 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 in Tom Kaker. It had nothing to do. The world spun around one thing and one thing only. And people worked on kashas till late at night. And from early in the morning, and they said svaris, and they and they and they asked tough questions. Um, people find when when we got married at the tnoim and at the sheva brachis, and each and every sheva brachis, you had to get up and present a very very strong shikul Torah. And if somebody asked the kasha, you, you were you you were red faced. If, if, if you had been sloppy in preparing it. And people can't understand it, but that's what it was about. There wasn't any downtime. There wasn't any time for something else um, because the, the yeshiva was the place that was all Torah. It, 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 was, a, it was a different world. And that's, that was what the yeshiva was. Um, it was the Shevet Levi in our generation because nothing else, we don't have Shvatim with direct lineage really, we don't, we, we're not organized that way. We need to work with the other Rambam of, of the of the Kolboy Olam Ashenad Verucha also. That was the world that he came into. That was the world, he came from America. And in those days when you traveled you really traveled. Economy class today is a luxury. When you had to take, you know, the plane to Newfoundland and then switch to Iceland and then, you know, propeller down this, he walked in. He was a young American boy and he was exhausted. And Rebbe Yudel told him, "Before you go to sleep, I need to hear chiddush from you." He said, "I just came from America. I'm very, very tired tomorrow." He says, "No." Yid doesn't go to sleep till he hasn't come up with a chiddush for the day. He went upstairs and he looked at the Gemara and his eyes were glazed. He walked down after half hour and he says, I can't. He says, you're not going to sleep until there's no chiddush. He finally remembered a kash and a taisis that, that, that he'd heard, came back to him and he said, fine. He once woke up early in the morning, he heard some noise. It was four in the morning. And Rebbe Lezudel was getting up for his day and he started his day by wrapping his hands around the shas 
and kissing it. That was the atmosphere in the yeshiva. Um, my own Rebbe, Reb Nachum Zepanerach, who was also an embodiment of the, of, of the mirror, um, he was also sick at multiple sclerosis. You could always, sometimes, if he wasn't up to it, you couldn't schmooze with him. But learning, you could always speak to him and learning. Because that was the world. That was the way it was. And this is what he became. He himself had tremendous kochos. He was always learning, and so on and so forth. But it wasn't only the hours and so on. As physically, he started to become debilitated. He never stopped. He never said, okay, I think I need to stop at this hour, this net. He went until he couldn't. Always. All the time. Somebody spoke at Hesped, you know, and he said, a Chabura, he once came to give a Chabura, and he was exhausted. And he started speaking, and then he just couldn't. His mouth wouldn't move anymore. And he scribbled on a piece of paper, which this person saved, two words. Nisiti, I tried. Slicha, I'm sorry. He, he knew before that he wouldn't be able to do it. It wasn't, I mean, didn't take much understanding. But there never was a sense of limiting himself. Because that's not, Shevet Levi, when you own property in Eretz Yisrael, when you have a chilek and a nachla, you have gvulas, you have boundaries. And the boundaries are from here to here and so on and so forth. When you're together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem so it's a nachlev limitserm. It's a boundless land. You don't think of boundaries. You don't think of yourself. He, his building, it, it was stupendous, the, the amount of institutions that he kept building, the amount of programs. The programs had a common denominator. He would come, the thing that disturbed him was, like Rav Kasman mentioned, if the base medrash would start taking on sort of a sense of it's finished, we're near the end. It's the end of the Zman. It bothered him because Yeshiva is never ending. And that's why he would start pumping up the Yeshiva things. Purim night, he found somebody to give $50,000, $50 per year man to come and learn. And this was a treasure to him. 1,000 people sat Purim night in Mir Yeshiva till 11.30 at night learning. It, 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 I mean, that's the way it should be. Purim, Purim night is, is, is a night like all other nights. The fact that tomorrow is a chiv suda and a little bit of a din of, of drink doesn't take away from that. That's the way it should be. Ben Azmanim, he, he incorporated learning Ben Azmanim with a trip on the side, but there was a full seder in the morning, a Chazara seder. Him, someone told me he was a personal chavrusa. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, he would tell him, was starting the Nuzman. And, and Rosh Chodesh Nisan, he started learning the next month's material. It, it, was, it was not more learning. It was learning without boundaries, because that's what Shevet Levi is. Shevet Levi is n- are not the people that don't work. Shevet Levi are the people that are Kula Dabi HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a certain rising up from the world around that you need to do. There's 
another chinuch, um, a sefer chinuch, that explains something about the about two levels of engaging emotions in day-to-day life. The chinuch explains that the reason why kohanim are not allowed to be metami themselves to mesim are because mesim are defiled, there's some sort of aura of tumah, and it's not befitting that a Kohen should, should be engaged with Mason. So he says, so why is a Kohen allowed to bury and, and be metami to Krovim? So the, the, the Chinuch says, because the Torah understood the needs, human emotional needs, the tremendous need for a person to to, 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 to a bereaved person to cry and, and to be engaged in Avelis for a close one. And therefore, since the Torah really cared about a person's emotional needs, recognized them, a Kohen should be metame with his krovim and he should engage in Avelis. So the obvious question is a Kohen girdle is not allowed to do even that. And the Chinuch explains. He says, Vakoin Agodl, the Kohen Godl, Hanivdalios Kodesh Kadoshim, who's been separated apart, set aside, and is Kodesh Kadoshim, Im Heyoso Balguf, even though technically he still has a body, Nafsho Tishkon Tomit Besechamisharsimalyanim. His Nishama is with Malachim already. And therefore he says the Torah didn't need to allow him to be mitame out of, out of pity and out of a sense that he needs the bereavement and so on. He says, and this is the Chinuch says, Ki nafsho because he's so intertwined with the higher worlds, he sort of has cast aside normal human nature. And he's cut himself off from this world. And he doesn't feel that loss on a close person's departure. Because he's already left him. He's already in Olam Haba. And therefore, it sort of is not that same type, that same meaningful type of of, of being torn apart because he's already someplace else. There is more, it, you know, people spoke about the fact that he was sick. People spoke about the fact that he was, you know, how much he went out of his way for people and so on. But as somebody would come occasion to visit him and see him, the thing that I guess struck me the strongest and was hardest for me to, 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 to come to grips with was the almost total, his life was totally devoid of any privacy, of any time for himself, of anything. He, people could come all the time. He would sometimes be so sick, he, he was laid he, he, he was he laid on the couch in a way that wasn't dignified, just I mean, was difficult to look at. But if somebody wanted to come in, there was no, I'm sorry, this is time I need for myself. This is time when I'm not in a position to meet people. This is a time when I don't think it's becoming to me. There wasn't. As, as long as he was there, 
it was possible to be there. He would never say, I can't give a chabura, I can't give a shir, I can't learn chavrusa. There was no, it was, there were times people would come into his bedroom to talk to him when he couldn't get out of the bedroom. And, and it, it, I, it was something that was so difficult to, 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 get a, to get a handle on. Why? And the answer is, he was all, it was Kulo Kodesh. He was nivdal from any type of physicality. A body is, is something we, we, we're ashamed because the goof is not appropriate, it's, it's not dignified, it looks helpless. He, he, he was a public figure and, and walked in a way that most people would have stopped them in their tracks because of it was, I mean, it was tragic, it was comical, it, it was difficult to look at. His talking, his walking, his motions, his manners, it never fazed him. He, it was almost as if the body didn't belong to him and it was just a vehicle to get him someplace. And if he got there, that was all that he needed. Didn't mean anything more than that. He, he was simply, co- he was involved in something else. The, um, the Rambam says in another place the point of having a Shevet Levi in Kal Yisrael. The Rambam says that Yaakov Avinu, Avram Avinu began infusing the world with the idea of HaKadosh Baruch Hashem Echad, Yitzchak taught, Yaakov taught, and it says Yaakov taught all of his children. V'hiv the Levi he set aside Levi. Umenihu rosh voshiva biyeshiva. He set Levi aside and he said, "Your place is in yeshiva, and you're going to be the head of the tribes." He told his children, Levi Levi needs to keep on this tradition, kidei shalo so that there be a kernel in Klal Yisrael that never ever forgets this point of having a, a, a of, of the Emes and the Torah in Klal Yisrael. And the Ramam says, and that's why when Klal Yisrael sunk in Avodah Shevet Levi remained the one tribe that wasn't that wasn't Avodah and they were really the, 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 the hook upon which Klal Yisrael was able to be lifted up with. That was the mirror. The mirror saw itself as a place. It's the world with learning and only learning would be the world. That's what it was. And the person who, the person who formed the core of that world, the core around which everything was somebody that was exactly it. He had nothing in his life except for the learning and the encouraging people to learn. It was hard to explain how it drew people into learning, except for the fact if it, 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 he wasn't a man of many words. The words he spoke to the Divrei Musa had an intensity because he lived them fully. But it was like a fire. When you touch anything to fire, it catches fire itself. The yeshiva became the makom the Shevet Levi of Kala Yisrael. Its significance is for the people who are there and 
people, the vast majority of the people did not stay in yeshiva, have gone on to being other shvatim. But there's a certain point, a certain nekuda of Shevet Levi that remains, it's like a pilot light. When you remember what it's like to be in a world where the only thing that matters is how to understand Rick Vegas Kasha and Yavamis, and how to understand the, the famous Kasha and how to answer it, and, and, and so on and so forth. That becomes, there was, when a person remembers that there was once a time in his life when it was Kulo Kodesh, that becomes like an internal Shevet Levi. I want to finish with a Chazal that fits him so well, and I want to explain maybe a point about it. It says, Rabbi Yochanan have a metal vesolik Rabbi Yochanan was walking from Tverit to Tzipurim. And Rabbi Chia Ba'aba was holding on to him, walking with him. They passed by a field. said, you know, this used to be my field, and I sold it, because I wanted to learn. They walked by a vineyard. Rabbi said, used to be my vineyard. Vizabinte, and I sold it, begin Mali by Raisa, because I wanted to, to, to be Amalatara, I wanted to learn. Meton Chad Bezesa, they walked by an olive orchard. Vama Kamaikain, same thing. Shri Rebchia Babi Bachi, Rebchia Babi began to cry. Amalai, so he asked him, Ma Bachi, why are you crying? Amalai, so he told him, Bachi Anno, the Leishvak, the Sivuser Klum. You haven't left anything for your old age. What are you going to do when you get old? Amalai, so he told him, Chiyabni, unikalazai beinecha, masha sisi, shemacharti doba shitl shisha yomim, shenema shishema sashem, avatur nitalar burm yom chemisham emashem burm yom, and so on. So he said, I don't understand you. I sold something that was made in six days for something that was made in 40 days. Kadomer Rabbiachan, Rabbiachan died. Hayadere Kaira Allah, his door said about Rabbiachan, the passing Shah Shirim. Im Yitain Isha's Kolhoin Beisai, Ba'ava Shavasir Zatara. If a person were to give all of his money for the love that Rabbiachan loved the Torah, Bozia Vozolo, it would become, it would, it would be mocked at. It, you know, that it's not enough money, something like that. I want to try to explain it. I try to understand something about it. What was the give and take? Um, did Reb Chiyaba Abba not understand the Shiva's Torah? It was, it was Reb one of his big Talmidim. The, in, in, in the Gemara, there are tens and tens, maybe more, of Reb Chiyaba Abba Reb Chiyaba was a big Talmud of his. Did he need to get a sense of how important Torah is? What was, what was the point? What was the back and forth of it? I think the point was Rebchia, the Rambam says that a person, sh- even if he's good-hearted and he gets stuck and so on, a person needs to weigh and measure his life. A person needs to live his life in a measured and balanced way. A person should not give away all his money for tzedakah. A person should, should give a lot and bear in mind his needs. That's, that's very, very valid. And he, was, he, he, he told, Rebchia Baba said, this is, this is not right. 
a person shouldn't, just like a person shouldn't give all his money for tzedakah, a person should give, shouldn't give away all his money for learning. There's mechal kadrocha b'mishpat. A person needs to stretch out and say, okay, this is the money I need for this, for this, for this, and so on and so forth. Rabbi Yochman said, no, we're talking about going from one world to another world. It's, it's, we're talking about something that's two different things. Let's give an example. Um, if somebody, if somebody um, has, uh, if somebody has something he wants to buy, he has a he has a broken car, and he wants to go and fix it. And he asks him, "How much is it?" So there's a price for a thousand dollars. It's worth it for three thousand dollars. Maybe for five thousand dollars, for sure not. And if a person does it for five thousand dollars, he's a spendthrift. You know, obviously depending on the make of the car and depending on, on the value of the fixing. But it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Let's say a person has Lolenu, a sick relative, a close relative, parent has a shalom or spouse or whatever. A person will say, "Well, first tell me how much operation costs, and we'll make a decision on it." It's not. I mean, in money doesn't. It's two different worlds. This is a world of money, and this is a world of a loved one. What's the, what's the cash between the two? It, it, in the same world, you can measure and balance one against the other, and you can say worth it, not worth it. Is this is this a spendthrift? Is this is this a, a, a person's thrifty? That, those things all apply to things that are within the same realm of values. But when you're talking about love of something else, then, then where, where does money come in? Somebody will say, you know, I have a wonderful wife, but the chasta cost an awful lot. I'm not sure she's worth it. I doubt that I mean, people would say that. That doesn't, 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 uh, doesn't sound right. The, the, um, that's what Rebbe was telling him. Rebbe was telling him one second, we're talking apples and oranges. You're telling me what, what about age? I'm, I'm in a different world than you are. I'm standing at the heart of our Barm Yom, and you're dealing with things of Sheshes Yomim. You know, Mala Barla Tevin. What does one have to do with the other? If I think that was what the late Rosh Hashiva's line of Racha radiated, you walked into a house that was. Nothing, you know, there was very little there. It was, it was uh, the tables and the chairs and plenty of chairs piled up and uh, people coming in and people going out and learning chavruses and a, a madhouse from morning till the night of learning and people coming in and so on and so forth. A person who was broken and sick. But he wasn't being most nefesh for learning. He was a happy person. He was a very happy person. And what people wished what anything else was to be as happy as he is. There was always a smile. He, there was always a, a, a cute quip on his lips. And, 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 the, and he radiated happiness because he was living in a different world, like the Chinuch says. And, and that's the world of Shevet Levi. When a person is no longer attached to his Nachla, then Hashem becomes Nachlosai. As long as a person has a Nachla here, it's the boundaries of the Nachla that make him or break him. But when a person is attached to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then it's infinite. And, and, and it's, it's, not, it, it is, it, it's the lot of few people. It's the lot of 
a short, relatively short period in the lives of most people, but it's the core of everything. It's Ruchnius is not there to enhance the Gashmis, it's not there to stamp of values on the Gashmis. Ruchnius is its own world. Yes, when it meets up with Gashmis, there's another part to it. But in core and in essence, it's its own world. And I think the, 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 what the generation of Yechonim said about Rabbi Yechonim, Kadomar Rabbi Yechonim, the generation said, Imyitin Isha's kol hon beso ba'avish ha'avas Rabbi Yechonim, as a Torah bozio In other words, if people would say, ah, I gave up all my money for Torah, if it's Rabbi Yochanan's Torah, then that statement is a meaningless statement. It's as meaningless as saying, you know, I paid a lot of money to, to have that, to, to, to have, so that my father should have the bypass surgery. What do you mean you paid a lot of money for it? What do you mean you paid, you didn't pay money for that. It's, it's two worlds. Money is one world, the father's another world. It's something that fortunately are the people who have a step foot in yeshiva, in the mirror, and like I said before, to sit down there to come into the yeshiva and to have a sense of what it means to be totally absorbed in learning, to complete without any other, for the, for the seder that you're in yeshiva, for, for, the, for, for, the, for, the, for the hours in yeshiva, for the days in yeshiva, when you're completely oblivious of the world around you because you're in a whole different world, when you get a sense of the simcha to be part of that world. That was the, what he was, that's the ruach that he infused in the yeshiva, and for, for us, at some point, whether it's to take some time in a year and to be part of it, whether for those who are younger to take a portion of, of, of your life, a year or two, or whatever it is, to, to, be, to be absorbed totally in it gives you that spark. And made this chos that we were zochah to have a person like that, and a person who came from where we all come from, nothing, there's, we, we don't have any excuse saying we can't do it. He, he was there from the same place we were and did it. who give us the schus of, of lighting that type of fire now in the Shama. And, 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 and may, that, may that lighting of a fire in the Shama be the biggest schus